Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Not just what you hear, but what? How you hear. And my prayer today is that I'm not sermonizing and that this is not just another message, but you truly add faith to what you hear and receive it as God's word. Okay, you pulling with me? All right. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. This prophet was one of the 7,000 who did not bow their knees to bow. She cried out to Elisha. The root term there in the Hebrew for the word translated cry out literally means to sound like thunder. This woman thundered after God. She roared after God. There was a prophet representing God and she pulled on his mantle. She needed something from the Lord and she began to, 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 I say rage, but I mean that in a nice way after God. How many of you are roaring after the Lord? How many of you are really seeking after him with, with all your heart? I mean, if you got to claw through the wooden door with your fingernails, you're like, I'm going to get to the other side of this door, whatever's blocking me from the presence of the living God. How many of you are passionate like that about our God? Well, that's what God's calling for in this hour. You are not safe if you're lukewarm. I listened to a man on television yesterday. He used to be a spirit. I don't know what he was, but he pretended to be a spirit filled minister. And I listened to him on TV. He said, the Bible's not the word of God. Basically, God could not be understood or, or known. There's no heaven, no hell. And he went on and on. And what, what, what bothered me was Lexi, who was uh, directing the show, she was nodding. And then in the same show, there were pastors of very large churches who couldn't give the man an answer. He began to talk about the church fathers. They didn't even know who the church fathers were. He began to talk about the Greek. They didn't even know the Greek. These men knew how to kick out their leg in church and get a shout. But they don't know the word of God. And it's frightening in these last days because if you don't know the truth, if you don't know what to stand up for, you will what fall for anything. And in these last days, God got to raise up a clear voice. People have to be more than excited. They need to know the truth. In some ways, we need to go back to our foundations. I'm scared for the church. The ministers on the stage were just nodding their head. And then when they got to the place where he said, well, I don't believe the word God, they said, well, we disagree. But they couldn't give an answer for the hope that was in them. And I went to sleep very, very disturbed. But I know that in this hour, you have to seek God. Because there's, there's so many that, that say they have a message, so many false. See, I, I don't want you to get scared and all concerned. But there's a lot of folk calling themselves children of God. But, you know, just because you're parked in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. Just because some folk go to church don't mean you're a saint. And in these last hours, you got to be on fire for Jesus. The Bible talks about in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And then right in that midst, it says false prophets will move. Why are these false prophets going to be able to move so strongly in the church? Because of offense. Because we stop loving each other. We're so offended with each other. Someone comes with a gripe. We just get an agreement because we're mad. They're mad. And we just gripe against the truth because we've not resolved conflicts. Huh. I, I, I look at my children. I've said this last week. They have so much. I say, do my boys have my fire? Do, do they have a zeal after God? I don't care if I fill their head with 5,000 Bible facts. If they don't catch my fire, they'll never know my God. 
And I don't care how many CDs you buy. I don't care how blessed you become because of your association here. If you don't catch the fire, I don't know if you're going to make it. These are crazy times. You see, flies don't land on hot stoves. Many of us got the demons, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, buzzing around, putting these, injecting these thoughts. And the only reason he's successful is because we're not on fire. Look, I, I, I put my message to the side for a moment. Can you, can you hear me? What flies would do in the Near East, they would land in the nose of sheep. And the sheep's nostril was very moist. So they found a, a soft landing place. And the fly would land in the nostril and there's mucus there and everything. And it's a little wet. And it would lay its eggs in the wet lining of his inner ear. And the sheep, over time, as the maggots began to grow, he began to get worms in his brain and they move. And as they move, he get awful headaches. They dig into his skin and the sheep wanted to get rid of this, this headache, this, this, this infection in, in his sinuses at all costs. So often what the sheep would do is he would find a fence post or, or a rock and he'd take his head and begin to slam his head against the rock because he's trying to, to get this thing out of his nose. And when the shepherd began to see some of these symptoms, what the shepherd would do is he would take oil and pour it in the sheep's nose. And that oil somehow had a way of moving out the maggots. Point made, if you don't have oil in this hour, there are people banging their heads against the wall, killing themselves for the raging going on on the inside. Because Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, has found a sweet place in them. And without the anointing oil, not just information, but the anointing of God, there will not be freedom. God wants us to live free, free from flies on the inside. Let them buzz on the outside, but you're not on the inside. But it requires the anointing of God. We need God. I don't care if that means we need to fast 40 days and 40 nights. If that means we have to worship for four hours, it, 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 whatever it takes in this hour, we need God. We don't need another service. We need God to show up. We need the living God. The psalmist said, where can I go to meet with God? You hear me? Church, it's late. It's late. In Europe, the former Roman Empire, now become one. China has become a world power. And every 500 years or so, power shifts from the east to the west and the west to the east. Most of America's debt is owned by China. We can't afford to get them mad at us because if they begin to sell our debt, our nation is in deep trouble. The economies of the world are almost one. You catch a cold in the U.S., you sneeze in Hong Kong. This is the last hour. We have politicians that are being raised up that speak about high ideals, but are not moored by any real truth. A generation looking for a, a pretty face and media fixes to real problems. We are a world that is prepared for the Antichrist. Does anyone hear me? 
You no longer ask what the politician believes. You say, I like him. You no longer ask where they stand on moral issues. He's a member of my party. So all that has to happen is someone come along that's a part of your party, the part of your race or whatever your thing is. By virtue of the fact that they're part of your group, you accept that's crazy. We are in the last hour. I don't talk this way. Church, have you turned on the television? We, we, we used to be babies having babies. Now it's men marrying men. Soon it will be fathers marrying daughters. This is the last hour. The time is short. And if you're going to love him, you got to love him. Because the devil's like a roaring lion going through the earth, trying to find folk that are wounded. Man, who does a lion seek? It's the hurt, it's the age, it's the old, it's, it's even the young. He doesn't usually go after the strong. In this hour, you don't want to be at the edge of any hurt. You don't want to be in a position to be picked off. In this hour, you need to love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. If it costs you everything, sell it all and obey your God. I pray that the zeal of God would return to his house. Jesus looked at the, the, the beggars and, I'm sorry, the, 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 the marketeers and, and those selling uh, outside the temple gates. And he turned over the tables and the disciples remembered what was prophesied. He said, the zeal of the Lord shall consume me. And Jesus was not this dispassionate figure. He was consumed with a passion for his purpose and his people. And if you're going to be a follower of Mashiach, Messiah, our God... We got to catch his spirit. We got to catch his heart. We have to become compelled. We have to be moved. We have to rise up and do more than just attend church. When I look at my boys, I got to go to praying. So like, if they don't catch this thing, if they don't catch it while they're young, what might happen? Don't, don't just look at your children and say, well, they're getting good grades. Do they know the good and holy righteous God? Do they know him for himself? Are they answering hard questions? Or are you going to just, just shelter them in your little churchy environment? Never teach them how to defend the faith, how to stand up for it. Never answer hard questions. So then you push them off to college and they go there not being able to give an answer. But they know how to say amen, hallelujah. They get laughed at, ridiculed. God wants to raise up a people that are on fire for God. That just don't love them with our spirits, but also with our mind, our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We can give an answer for the hope. You want to know my vision for our kids? I would hate for our children in this church just to be religious Christian kids. It scares the mess out of me. I lived across the street from a Christian boy growing up. I wasn't a Christian, and he was one of the reasons I didn't want to become one. Mama called, the mama that lived there, she called everybody on the block names. They, they didn't go out. He didn't come out to play because we were unsaved kids and, and they went to church every Sunday. But he was the worst kid on the block. He sit in his window, call me names out my window. You hear what I'm saying? The last thing I want for your children is for them to be religious. In this hour, you need to get to know your God. They, you see, they, they say, mom and dad, y'all go to church. I hear all that. But, but, but it, you know, it becomes real when you can do that in your home. When you lay hands on their fevered brow and it goes away. When, when, when they experience the presence in your family room, in your living room. And you see, right now, they may think, well, it's because of the worship team or, or maybe Bishop Priest, but you need, they need to know it's, it's because of your God. And as a parent, don't let them leave your house without knowing your God. 
And at least, you know, say, well, if y'all choose to go your own way, at least I done showed you. You know, and I know, you know, I raised you in the way you should go. So when you're old, you might have to go through some stuff. You're going to come back because I planted the right seeds in you. I messed up my whole teaching today. But does any, can, can anyone catch this? You need to go home and cry for your babies. You need to cry for your children. Have you seen the cartoons that they watch? That they're in elementary school, little boys acting like little girls. Little girls kissing other little girls. This is not just high school now, junior high. I'm talking about decisions that we made as grown people. They're making with a sixth or seventh grade education. Six or seven years of experience sometimes. Church, we have to pray. I'm so disgusted with church. Say, how could I say that? Not y'all. I love y'all. Y'all good people. I love this church. But I'm so disgusted with what we settle with. And we call church. If we feel good and we leave, oh, it's good. No, if I change, if I leave with an anointing, if I leave with wisdom, if I leave with power to affect my circumstances, then maybe something happened in that place. Maybe God was there, but I don't need you to sing anymore. I don't need your song. I don't need your sermon now. I need God. And I, don't, I, I just feel irreverent in this moment. You know, we go through these seasons, we start growing, and then God sets me free and we lose everybody. We got to grow again. So we're in that season. So no one joins it. It's all right. But church, we got to catch his heart. Jesus loved us passionately. Call it what? We've been saying, call it the passion. You need to love him passionately, no matter what it cost. Okay. Let's see if we can teach. All right. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. Oh, I'm still here. You know, guys, I don't preach this way. But I bet you, the man of sin, see, there are many antichrists that have risen up. Hitler was probably one. He probably living right now. Some people think he's Jewish, and the Jewish people are going to receive him as their Messiah. I don't know. Others say he's the Mahdi that the Muslims in Iran and them keep talking about, and Farrakhan and all these guys, the great Mahdi who's supposed to come, and that's going to be the end. I don't know how it's going to work. Other people say he's going to be a political leader that leads the European Union. I don't know how it's going to work out. But if my suspicion is correct, he might be eating lunch right now in Denmark. He, he might be sitting there making it. He's going to be a, a winsome man, attractive. He's going to have personality and charisma, but his soul is going to be empty. You see, only empty-souled people are attracted to other empty souls. So if we want to be ready for the hour, we got to make sure our heart is full. You see, I'm not attracted to some silly girl because she ain't got no stuff. My wife, she got little, sorry, she, she got stretch marks. I knew her when there were no lines. But, 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 but see, I, we got character between us. We got years between us. Ain't no little bouncing, behaving girl. Why do I keep preaching this way? I don't know. Going to get between all these babies coming out. I mean, we wake up, teeth not brushed, and we talking to each other. Years of all that for some silly superficial. And there are many people giving up their faith for silly superficial. I wonder if they really had faith in the first place. Sometimes it's a good thing for people to leave grace because they, they, they weren't right anyway. So don't get all offended. Oh, no. It's part of the process. God is the gardener 
He said, listen, I'm going to make you bear fruit, but then I'm going to go in and cut back that fruit so you become more fruitful. The bottom line is, church, don't follow the crowd. You need to have an intimate and personal relationship with God. I don't know how to say it stronger, but I pray you catch what I'm saying. Amen? And amen. I'm going to try again to teach from the word. I don't know now. I might have a time problem, but let's figure it out. Well, she thunders after Elisha. And she said, you're... Your servant, my husband, is dead. She's now a single mom. And you know, Elijah, he was in church every Sunday. You know he revered the Lord. You, you know that he, he walks amongst the prophets and, and he was even persecuted under Jezebel uh, when, when she was alive. But now, his, his creditor, not mine, notice she says his creditor, was letting you know that the problem that this family's having is largely because of the man of God. And the point I want to make to you, even from the outset, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at another thing. And you, you know, this man was amongst the prophet. He knew how to prophesy in the Holy Ghost, but he didn't know how to handle his business. And it's important that we not only learn spiritual things, we need to add to our spiritual things, wisdom, knowledge. You understand? We need to also learn practical skills for our living. He said, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys. Daddy's failure was going to be passed on to his children and they were going to become slaves because daddy was too spiritual. Please hear me. I, you know, people accuse me of being too spiritual. So please, I'm not, I love God. But if all you know how to do is church and you don't know how to do life, you're at a disadvantage. She came to him with a gut-wrenching problem. And Elisha speaks to her, he said, well, how can I help you? You will at times face problems larger than your personal capacity to help. And, and he said, you know, the, the woman comes, okay, your boy, your boys are being taken. It's, it's obvious how he can help her, but, but I think he wants her to understand that in himself, he couldn't really help this woman. And I believe after he said that statement, the Holy Ghost was like, now I'm ready. After the prophet said, he can't do it, I'm the one. I'm going to step in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How can I help? And God wants to get you to the place often when you can't. So you know that when it happens, it's God. So he's just waiting for you to confess and confess up. You know you can't do it. You pretend it. I'm going to wait till you say it. And when you say it, then I'm going to step in, okay? Then he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? Now, your boys are about to be sold as slaves. What does that have to do with anything? What the prophet does, one of the first things he does is change the woman's focus. Shifts the focus from what she doesn't have to what she does have left. And often when we're dealing with crisis situations, oh, I lost this. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, you, you might need to mourn over that for me. I understand. But at some point, your focus should not be any longer what you lost or what happened in the past, but what you have left. Are you hearing me? Your marriage, all types of things may have happened. But the question is, well, what do you have left? Is there one thing that the two of you can stand on? Is there one issue that, that, that can be consolidated and, and, and God bless it so it can get on the rest of it? Are, are you tracking with me? Tell me, what do you what, have in your house? He looks at the woman and says, the answer's in your house. God looks at our nation and he, then he looks at our house. He says, the answer's in this house. Stop complaining about the world. The answer's in your house. Are you hearing me? Come on, come on. Your servant she says, has nothing there at all. And often when you're going through, you feel like nothing. You have nothing. What, what can I offer to the situation? 
But actually, she was exaggerating because after she said I had nothing, it occurred to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have I do have a little. And some you see, God, he'll leave you that little. Are you hearing me? But when Jesus was preaching to the multitudes, the disciples came to him. He said, you know, how are we going to feed the crowd? They had the conversation. The disciples came to him and said, well, there's a little boy with a lunch. He said, bring it to me. It's enough. See, we're looking for the big fix. And God said, just bring me the little bit you got. In God's hand, it becomes enough. She said, there's nothing at all except a little oil, a little small flask. And I, I, the spirit behind it was, Elijah's about to say, your little is enough. Elisha says now, he's about to give her clear instructions. Like God's, listen, I need, we need God to be clear in this hour. We don't need fuzzy pictures. The prophet in the midst of her crisis gets crystal clear. And I pray an anointing of clarity is released on you right now to hear exactly what you should do. Not a guessing, not a hoping, not, that you know exactly what to do in this moment. God is a speaking spirit. He doesn't just, you know, make you feel. He'll make you know. Amen. God created the mind and he wants to fill the mind. Now, he may not give it to you all in your head, but nonetheless, you will know the necessary steps, even though you may not have the full explanation. Elisha said, go around and ask all your what? Neighbors at this before this point, all she thinks she has is oil. But in reality, she has a little bit more. And Elisha, through the Holy Spirit, recognizes this. She has his relationships. You see, you cannot borrow something from a person that doesn't like you. Matter of fact, when the economy's down, it's hard. Y'all know the loans are drying right up. When the economy's down, people have to trust you in order to give to you. You see, this woman was different than many people I know, not the people in this room, but just some of them out there. And we go through our crisis. It becomes all about me and mine. Everyone we see is a means to an end. We're just trying to get out of our trouble. And we'll use step and main people to get what we want. But this was not the spirit of this woman. Obviously, she maintained relationships to the extent that when she was in need, she can go borrow. And my prayer is in the midst of what you're going through, that those relationships that God has sent you, that you will nurture them, that you will continue to put God first. Now, I, I said in the last service, and it bears repeating, God gives us two ears and one mouth. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.